0: Richard and this is We Are Not Wizards. Uh, Tonight's show is a work in progress show and the title of the show is going to be called uh, Let's Go Off Script for One Last Job. Now I know why it's called that and you will know why it's called that because joining me tonight is a gentleman by the name of Brian Cronin. So good evening Brian. Uh, good evening, good afternoon for me, but good evening <laughs> to you. Yeah, guess, because you're in California. I am. All across the other side of the world, it's like, it's almost like the magic of the internet. It is it's an amazing thing. thing. <laughs> it's, an, it's an amazing thing that we're talking in real time and we're not like a news report. Well, I'm going to kind of say, and how how are you today, Brian? And then it's, you get the minute silence and then you go, I'm fine. Oh, that, that would be interesting <laughs> to try. That, I, like, Okay. <laughs> So how are you today, Brian? I'm I'm doing well. Thank that's you for asking. Good. That's good. That's good. So you're from um off script games. Um we are we brought Brian on because he's gonna be talking about his um his asymmetric heist based card game called One Last Job and you can guess kind of potentially what that's about. But Brian loves his cardboard. He loves his tabletop. He obviously loves his card games, and we're going to find out, as normal, a little bit more about the kind of the background to that. For everybody who's joining us for the first time, thank you very much for coming on board. Um, the reason that we do this is because we firmly believe that there's quite simply not enough um, podcasts out there about board games. We have checked, just can't find them. The other reason. Hmm. <laughs> the other's hmm. doing, <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't, obviously don't use iTunes or internet or anything at all. <laughs> but you are confident there are no other. I am absolutely, well. I, you know, as confident as a chocolate teapot. <laughs> okay, I've not heard that one. That 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 we don't say that in California, but I'll, probably not. Well, probably cuz all the chocolate would have melted in California before that time. True. To solidify. Okay, just to um make me feel absolutely jealous because it is um it is raining outside. It is the height of summer in lovely Scotland and it is absolute. It's like I don't know, it's like God is crying on us. What's the weather like in California today, Brian?
1: Well, I'm looking out my window right now. It's currently uh, 1 p.m. here, local time. It is very sunny, not a cloud in the sky. I'd say it's about, uh, I don't know Celsius, but it's about 75 degrees Fahrenheit here. Okay. And are
0: you nice and and comfortable and there's air con going on and you have a nice cold drink and everything
1: like that? Some of of that. Some of that. I'm very comfortable, though. (laughs)
0: Thanks for that. That just makes me feel all the much better. It is actually now, um, yeah, they've launched the lifeboats outside, so we better. You know, we, we we could use some of that rain still. So uh, yeah, that... is it not very like very very dry in California? So I'll tell you what, I'll yeah. send you some rain if you send me over some of that lovely California, son. Uh, I I'll agree to that, not
1: knowing how to make that actually happen. Well, but,
0: you know, yeah. you have to. You're a programmer. You can make these kind of things happen. I'm pretty sure you can make these things happen. Um, <laughs> let's, because uh, what we like to do in We're Not Wizards is we like to kind of jump a little back into the past before putting an eye on the present and then planning out a bank job for the future. So uh-huh, do you want okay. to tell? do you want to tell the good people kind of how you got into the kind of the hobby to begin with?
1: Okay, the hobby being board games, I guess. Board games, tabletop,
0: anything along those lines. Sure.
1: I'm, I'm fairly new to tabletop gaming in that I, I've only really started playing board games um, probably about eight years ago, um, which is somewhat new, because I know there's a lot of people out there that have been playing for 20 and 30 years. So yeah. I kind of got into it right as it was really coming into the mainstream, I'd say, mm-hmm. of the, the modern designer games. Um And, uh, I just had a friend that invited me over and we played, um, we played a cooperative Ghost Stories we played. I remember this was... Oh, right.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Ghost Stories was probably the first board game I played that wasn't in the Monopoly kind of Hasbro, uh, genre of games. And it, it just blew my mind. Uh, we lost horribly, I think two times in a row because that game is ridiculously hard. Yeah. Um, and, uh... You know, I, I, I just started buying board games after that and uh went down the rabbit hole and haven't haven't come back up since.
0: What was the first game that you went out and bought yourself? Then do you remember? Yeah, I do. This is this is kind of a weird one. I mean, we actually
1: had played some board games before. We played uh. party games like Cranium, yeah, um, but you know, not the kind of designer board games. So the first uh, designer board game I bought was a game called Castle Panic. I'm sure some people are familiar with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of an it's a box that's kind of like you're looking into what appears to be like an open drawbridge, and there's just a couple of is it a couple of eyes kind of sticking out of you in yes. the dark.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: So it's it's kind of it was
1: it was marketed as a tower defense cooperative board game. I uh-huh. like, you know, playing the cooperative game first really blew my mind that you'd have this board game you can play as a team against the game was, you know, kind of uh, a, a great idea I thought. So yeah, I, I, that was recommended um, on a YouTube video I watched, and I just kind of bought it and we played that game dozens of times and ended up having to modify the rules to make it more difficult for us. Yeah. Um, And uh, went on from there to all sorts of other games. But that was the first one I think I purchased myself. So,
0: um, spill your guts then, Brian. How many board games would you say you've got at the moment? Oh, you know, not as many as some. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I have a decent uh, kind of closet here in my office that's full of board games that I've contained Uh it all to. And I'm definitely at the point now where if I'm going to buy a game, I'm going to get rid of something. But I think I probably have... um, I'd say about 30 to 40 games that I kind of, you know, really value and really, I'm always looking to play. And then I probably have another 10 to 20 that are kind of, I need to get rid
0: of and clean out. What's, um, that's a reasonable, that is a reasonable size. That's a good, that's a decent size. That's not too much. Yeah. That's not too much. That's not in getting into ridiculous kind of piles of shelving behind you. That's something that you can and, you know, quite comfortably keep away, you know, if you need to. Part of that is just I've,
1: I've, had a very, I've been very lucky to have a good group of friends in the area that have hmm. board games. So my friend Jorge has all the board games I could ever want to play. And so I haven't, you know, he's kind of been holding on to the collection and he just keeps buying them. So I don't need to and that type of thing. <laughs>
0: Is he the one that's kind of like, is he the guy that goes like, when he goes Kickstarter, he goes all out? Is he the guy that if there's an Emperor pledge on a Kickstarter game, he'll be the guy that's kind of backing it? You know, he definitely has some disposable income, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's taken it easy
1: on Kickstarters recently, but there definitely yeah. was a phase where he was getting, you know, like multiple Kickstarter games in every month, and uh, <laughs> we d- we had weighed. He still has a just shelf in his house of games that he has yet to play that, really? you know, when I go over there, it's like, let's pull something down from that shelf and play it. Um, that must
0: be kind of cool, though, because it must be like every day is kind of like, must be rent like a little bit like christmas rent at his house then if you kind of turning yeah, up but absolutely what i just we went over there last
1: weekend we played dark souls uh, oh right yeah. okay i think that was the first time we played that so yeah it's it's fun though what did you think of dark souls then so uh i have never played the the pc game of dark souls for no, no. reason in particular I just haven't gotten around to it um mm. but my understanding of it is like you kind of die a lot you play through the same area and level up your character until you get through that area that's kind of the Mm. my understanding of how dark souls works as a game system um so going into the board game i kind of had that mindset and it's a cooperative game um it's it's a little bit of rules that you have to pick up on like we did a half an hour probably just understanding what's going on then we started playing and i thought it encompassed the pc game encompassed i don't know if that's the right word no that's uh, right no, no no no. yeah yeah. It, it felt like the pc game as i understand it in that we kind of uh it, it's all about just like grinding through the same area but you start to understand the patterns of the characters your strategy um starts to solidify so we kind of would like we take like our first encounter was maybe 20 minutes and then we went through that same encounter a couple more times and by the end of it we were just like almost fast forwarding through it we just knew what to do and our characters were so leveled up that we were able to so it was a uh, it felt like really close to what I imagine the PC game is like to, <laughs> to play, which is yeah. always cool, you know. And you have a board game that is trying to capture that feeling.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's a podcast I listen to and I've been listening to for a number of years called um, Bonfire Side Chat. Uh, one of the hosts has already has been on the show, Gary. So hello, Gary, and hello to Cole as well, but he's not been on. So, but they have this thing about knowledge compressing space. So it's the ability that once you know how an area is kind of it works in Dark Souls, something that would normally take you kind of like two hours will take you kind of like five minutes. And I think they, I think they managed to kind of get that working in the board game and the fact that you, the first time you go into a room and fight somebody, you'll be like, it will take you a long time and you'll battle through. But by the time you've done it for the third or fourth time, you've kind of powered yourself up that you are just kind of powering. Kind of powering through the, kind of through the room itself.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to put yeah. it. And also, the we did one of the boss fights um, before we <gasps> had to stop playing, and it, it, we like we lost the boss fight the first time, wasn't even close. And then yeah. I started to realize what we need to do here is we need to understand the pattern because it's a very specific pattern the enemy fights at, like a boss yeah. battle on a video game. We need to figure out the pattern. We need to figure out how to exploit it. So we ended up getting this like this uh, magical spell that allows me to push an enemy back. Uh-huh. And th- through the power of push and through Jorge, he had a, kind of a poison ability. We're able to combo those and manage our stamina right to uh-huh. just sort of push the boss back, poison them, wait a little bit. And it, that was kind of the pattern we figured out. We, it felt like we were cheating. It felt like we exploited kind of a bug in the game. But it wasn't. It was all
0: intentional. And it, it felt mm. like
1: it felt like a boss battle in a video game. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the rules, isn't it? I mean, if they allow anything in a video game, then nowadays, unless it's an obvious kind of glitch, it's kind of anything's kind of fair game. I think that's what's said again, is something that's said about Dark Souls. It's like, if you can cheese a boss by hitting him with arrows repeatedly, then yes, you're meant to be able to do that. It's not like cheating per se. It's kind of like using the mechanics of the game to kind of get through itself. Um, Have you, I mean, apart from Dark Souls, anything else you've been playing at the moment? Um, I'm definitely the so I
1: don't have a huge board game collection. This is partly um, due to my pattern of play, which is I, I end up going really deep into a particular game for sometimes years at a time. Okay, and uh, that's kind of where I invest a lot of my time. So for the for the past few years, it's been uh, Netrunner has been kind of my game of choice. Really? Yeah. So I I put I still put a lot of time into that game, and I'm just very much about honing skill and going deep into a game so that's where i still put the majority of my like board game tabletop
0: gaming time into have you completed your collection of netrunner i mean do you have binders and folders and (laughs) so (laughs) i
1: actually i started playing uh the the year it came out I, I ended up i started playing in late 2012 when it was released it was yeah. the first uh, card game i played i hadn't really i played more than a game of magic before you know so um that was another just like mind expanding moment where i i kind of just intuitively understood this game system is amazing and there's infinite possibilities here and there's more cards coming out all the time so yeah, i do have a full collection i've kind of Three boxes, a shoe yeah. box sized boxes, full of cards, with okay. all organized. And I have a bunch of promos and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my main <laughs> obsession.
0: Do you have um, Do you have kind of Brian's winning set? I mean, have you have you changed kind of the tactics as you've been playing it? I mean, do you have to end up kind of changing your tactics as they release the kind of the new the new packs of cards, or have you got like a firm favorite yeah. that you always kind of stick to? I mean I think both are true. It's it's a living card game so they're
1: constantly releasing new cards about once a month and that mm. you know inevitably shifts meta and shifts what you have to play to compete and I I do tend to be a a more competitive player I do play kind of so-called fun stuff occasionally at our like less competitive meetups but I I do always tend to you know if I don't win I kind of want to play the competitive stuff and start winning again is sort of what I end up doing so I I tend to play uh the runner faction I play the most is probably Anarch that's they're kind of a little more aggro they're more about destruction Mm -hmm. um corporations a little more fluid but um I've always enjoyed NBN as my favorite there.
0: See what struck me about Netrunner when I first played it was for it was just like yourself the apart from a couple of games maybe a Pokemon um it was the first kind of proper card game it was how completely asymmetrical it was. Yeah that's to fascinating p- to me. To the point of the fact that you were actually doing completely different things even though you were playing the same game. And it just completely blew my mind because you were sitting across from somebody who had a deck of cards that had the same kind of artwork on it, had the same kind of numbers on their cards and stuff like that, but the game that they were playing was completely different and there was no way that you could even... It made it very, very difficult to anticipate potentially what somebody was doing and at the moment that just completely blew my mind and also the fact that you were um you were actually scoring cards to win you weren't just wiping things out you weren't just defeating people like you were actually saying right i'm going to need to do this you were kind of upgrading right. cards to score you yeah. know all that that entire kind of
1: i think meta. it's a uh...
0: I think it's probably worth quickly describing
1: what the game's about. I mean, it's a popular game. Probably most of your listeners know it, but just in no, case... Let's, yeah, no, let's do yeah. this.
0: Because one of the things everybody... I mean, we say this again and, and again and again. This is We're all for accessibility into the hobby. And people will have heard of Netrunner. But Netrunner, as you say, it has been going five years now. So for people who have seen Netrunner, and they'll probably see it everywhere because it does sell everywhere how would you best describe kind of netrunner itself yeah
1: well there's kind of two ways to describe the first is that it's uh, narratively what's going on it's it's a hacking game sometime in the future i think it's roughly 200 years in the future there's megacorps and they are megacorps they have like business interests and they're both evil and they're both good at the same time it's a kind of very gray setting uh, and then you have what they call runners which are hackers and hackers are motivated by different things some of them want money some of them want just the intrinsic um, knowledge and skill of of learning and hacking and just that there's no um, money behind it they just want to learn and know and then yeah. some of them want to bring down uh, the system that they view as oppressive. So they're the <laughs> Anarchs. Uh, and then the corporations represent a different, you know, like one of them is an information, almost like a Fox news news company. One of them <laughs> makes uh, robots that are like the labor force of the future. They're, they have different kind of business interests. And um, some of them are more aggressive. Some of them are a little bit more insidious in, in the way they attack the runner. So that's kind of the narrative structure. The game itself has some really interesting properties. As you said, it's asymmetric, so it's a two-player game. One yeah. side is the megacorp, the other side is the runner. The megacorp is uh, playing hidden cards, so all the cards they play onto the table are face down to start, and then they get what they say rezzed. They get flipped face up at certain points in the game, depending on all sorts of conditions. That's one really interesting property. You know, The runner's all face up, the corp is all face down. Yeah and then it's asymmetric in that it's kind of an attack and defense game the runner is generally attacking the court and there's um, kind of a defenses the corporation will play to slow down and stop the runner. And then there's also ways that the corporation can attack the runner. Kind of, uh, if I know where you are and I know you've attacked me, I can send a, a missile down on your house. Uh, very, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then there's also some, some ways they can attack you through the, the, the net and all this kind of stuff. But that's kind of the, the, the high-level idea of, of what's going on in the game.
0: It's one of these games that you can play a basic game, and you can sit down and you can learn the rules, and then you you could sit down with somebody new, and you could both get through, and you could get a decent game. But the difference between you seeing somebody playing at a beginner level and probably the level that you're playing at is just night and day. When you, it's almost like a asymmetrical chess, <laughs> One of you, one of you is playing chess and the other one's doing like Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, you know, there, it It does have a,
1: at a high level of play it, it it's a very consistent game I'd say, um, yeah. even though the, the main way you win in the game is by scoring these agendas, which are cards in the corporation's deck. The corporation has to do that, yeah. and the runner has to do that, and there's variance there. There's like, you know, maybe 10 of these cards in the 45 card deck, and so the runner's trying to basically find them uh, in various ways, and there's some probability there, but even with that that probability and with just a variance of card draw, um, yeah. the you know the there's a world champion in netrunner um, who's been the world champion two years in a row. Uh, the the people who tend to place very high in tournaments tend to place very high in tournaments again. It's a very consistent game. I I think it's also worth pointing out that I, you touched on this, but most card games I've seen have the basic structure of Magic, where you have creatures or people yeah. you play down and then they're fighting other creatures or people across a table and then there's this kind of um war battle happening most card games operate under that basic idea there's different economic models different ways to play cards but they all have that basic structure um, Netrunner doesn't use that structure at all, really. It's it's a completely different structure for a card game, and that's that's also one of the things that, for whatever reason, Magic never really spoke to me as a player, uh-huh. um, and yeah. Netrunner instantly did. It's something about that fundamental structure that is uh, speaking to me in the game.
0: Well, I mean, as I, I think, you know, when I played Netrunner, I I had, you know, I found it really difficult to pick up and fully understand is when I play a game, I like to kind of really understand it and you just can't pick this game up in like even four, five, ten games, I think you yeah. can get the basics, but I think to get into the meta, you've really got to understand, well, you know, magic, magic's magic. And <laughs> my continuing feud with Brian Wade regarding what magic is actually like, it's good to hear somebody that, you know, um, is a big Netrunner champion and um, just... Magic doesn't bite for me either, so, and I've played Magic a couple of times and it's kind of, it's okay, but I can see why people like it, but it's still, it's still not my bag.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I totally respect the game. I think it's an amazing game, what what I know of it. And um, the the, the design work being done there is just crazy. (laughs) How long the game's been going on. And yeah, but it's really just a personal preference, something I can't even fully express in words why Hmm. I prefer this game over that game. But it's just Hmm. a, a fact.
0: What are your thoughts then? The Kind of the legacy type of Netrunner. Um,
1: are you talking about the there was an expansion that came out recently that had the kind of risk legacy game Are you talking yes. about like Okay, yeah. So that was Terminal Directive. That came out um I think a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um I, I played through it with uh, a friend of mine and I, I thought it was fun. It it wasn't like I don't know. The story didn't work as well for me for some reason. No, I wasn't okay. didn't feel as engaged with the story they had set up in Terminal Directive, but the the gameplay itself and the little bit of light persistence they built on top of the game was totally fun. Uh, yeah, if people are interested in Netrunner, I think it's a great place to start. Actually, just get one copy of the core set by mm. Terminal Directive and sit down with a buddy and play through it. It's it's pretty interesting.
0: So has this. Being kind of as involved in Netrunner because it must be good about Netrunner because it obviously doesn't take as enough <laughs> it doesn't take up an awful lot of space. I mean, it's not like Warhammer or something like that where you got boxes upon boxes or even yeah. <laughs> you know if you're getting something like say Conan or the other Seven Sins where you've got like fifteen boxes to deal with. It's nice that it kind of takes up space. Has playing Netrunner has have you tried other card games and then kind of stepped away from them and went mm, I'm not not gonna sure.
1: Yeah, um, a little bit. I I think just in the early design process for one last job, uh, which started well after getting into Netrunner, uh, mm-hmm. we, me and my design partner, we both kind of wanted to just play a bunch of other card games. So we we played uh, Conquest, we played the second edition of Game of Thrones, yeah. we played uh, the My Little Pony card game. We I mean, <laughs> we tried a bunch of stuff, um, and the closest to that, like really spoke to me was the Game of Thrones card game. I thought Conquest was really cool, too. I I don't think I would have gotten into it competitively, but I I like the game system. But yeah, the, the Game of Thrones card game, I think, is really cool, too. But that being said... I think any one person can only really make space in their life for one game like this. <laughs> one yeah, <life>. yeah. <laughs> uh, so if, if I had to make the choice between Netrunner and, you know, the Game of Thrones is still, it has a lot of cool things going on. And I absolutely yeah. love the, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire is one of my favorite book series. So it has yeah. that going for it. But um, it still is fundamentally that game system of enemies attacking enemies like this you know, it and it does things differently. It's very different from magic, but it still fundamentally is what it feels like to me. And, uh, and nothing has come close to Netrunner in terms of just having this completely different take on the the card game genre.
0: Have you looked at Ashes Rise of Phoenix Born? Oh yeah, we
1: we played Ashes a good amount. Um, I, I think it's a, a really cool system. I I'm yeah. very bad at the game. The game is, I think, it's too consistent for me. Yeah, um, and. Adam, my my design partner on one last job, is uh, very smart, uh, very very good at games, and yeah. uh, I kind of need some randomness, some variance, some luck to to beat Adam in games. I think which Netrunner has just enough of that I can compete. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in Ashes, I feel like I'm I'm just like way behind. I have no chance of, of beating it's, Adam.
0: There's it's got fun. It's got like the fundamentally there's the the decks, and you think the decks are going to kind of play the game, and then there's ones that you're thinking, well, I'm going to. I'm going to summon here and it just doesn't work like magic at all (laughs) because you've got kind of decks where it is you've got about three characters to summon and that's it or you're all spell related or the idea of your character is to essentially remove cards from the other player in order to kind of make them lose and I kind of really really like the game. I dropped away from Netrunner after a while, but I think that was because there wasn't enough people around me kinda of playing it enough. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. And then um we tried me and Colin tried Dice Masters for a little while and really, really liked Dice Masters, but then that fell fell because it was um Because there was too much chance in trying to get the cards and stuff like that, you ended up spending too much money on packs and then if you weren't getting the cards you wanted you had to go to eBay to get the cards that you wanted and then it kind of like that kind of fell away. I just really, really love the artwork on Ashes, I'm a big, big fan of the artwork. Oh yeah, the artwork's it's incredible absolutely. it's all kind of
1: uh, it, it's very soft artwork, like there's a lot of yeah. fluid shapes, a lot of kind of nebulous gases and yeah. uh, feathers and yeah, it's it's very, um, very cool artwork, especially the character design is just incredible in that
0: game. And it's bright, and
1: it's white yes.
0: cards as well, and normally a lot of the card art I see is kind of like, you've got a wondrous mage at the front, but the background looks like it's you know been painted in kind of some kind of earthy grey brown kind of background so it kind of removes from it but the ashes stuff is is kind of white and i am going to keep going on about ashes in as many episodes as i want to because I do, <laughs> I do i do i do like it as a game i like the luck element with the dice i like having to end up maybe having to make do with what you've got you know you can't always guarantee you're going to get the rolls which sometimes you have to be inventive with how you attack your um, your opponent. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. So you're playing Netrunner, and when are you? When does it kind of click for go from you thinking, "Let's play Netrunner," to mm, I'm starting to think about maybe doing something myself? When? How right. did that transition kind of happen?
1: Well, I'd say I've always been uh, just I'm, I'm always thinking about not just playing games but creating games I've mm-hmm. mostly created um, computer games uh, nice. but my mind is always on that level of just there's something in me that drives me to just create a game and it's it's n- nothing I can really rationalize it's just a feeling I get that, mm-hmm. that I kind of get an itch that I want to make something and and, and dig into some system so um yeah, playing Netrunner for a few few years, I just, uh, throughout, that pro- throughout that time, I'd also just been obsessed with the idea of a heist. Uh, I, I love heist movies, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read some books about various real-life heists and just been always engaged with that. So I, I attempted a, a, a computer game heist, and I did a, a different sort of more traditional board game, cooperative heist game um, that I did just for fun on the side, and... You know, I, I realized I, I really wanted to explore the the genre of a heist in a card game, uh-huh. um, which, you know, I'm, there's been heist card games, but I, I don't know of one that's been in the sort of like collectible or living card game space.
0: No, uh, no. Yeah.
1: So I I was really intrigued by that idea. I, I, I wanted to um, not necessarily copy Netrunner, but I, in the same way that like what Ashes does to Magic... Um, is it it takes like a basic game system and expands it out in a very different direction, and but you still see the roots of Magic there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doing yeah, yeah. it in yeah. a very different way. Um, I think there's a lot of space for to, for people to take a game like Netrunner, which again is just this very different genre of card game, and uh, expand it out in some new way. So our game is it's rooted in Netrunner in the same way that Ashes is rooted in Magic. Um, but yeah. plays differently from Netrunner in, in various ways that m- may not be totally easy to explain because I don't know that everyone has played en- enough Netrunner to but I will do my
0: best. <laughs> so I mean um the the video game or the computer game stuff you've done do you get has the stuff you've been doing has that given you a lot of creative choice? I mean I'm not, you know, if you want to tell the people in terms of the the game design stuff that you've been doing—is it game design? You say you're involved in programming. So, what are you actually doing in your kind your your job job? What's your speciality?
1: Sure. Um, so, I, I'm more of a generalist in terms of game programming. So, I kind of uh, I'm very good at understanding um, how to encode. A game system in programming. So, you know, a designer or myself might have an idea for a game, and how do we yeah. make, how do we translate that into, you know, characters on a screen moving around and doing the things they do. Like, how do we make this weapon system work? You know, given all of our design constraints, whatever. Um, so, I'm pretty good at that stuff. I'm, I'm just a pretty good generalist. Um, I don't go too deep into like specific physics programming and yeah. but I, I know how to use all that stuff. So uh I've I've worked the big game I worked on was called Natural Selection Two. That was the the biggest game I worked on, which is like a asymmetric uh Uh, it's a team game two teams one is an alien aliens one is marines and it's this weird hybrid of a first-person shooter and a real-time strategy game so i was the lead programmer programmer on that so i kind of led the programming team and especially as we got close to release coordinating with our play testing team and getting bugs fixed and um, getting the game optimized and coordinating all the different programmers on that yeah um and I've, I've worked on, I had my own indie game before that, which was kind of like a Mario Kart type game called Zero okay. Gear. All um, right, so, okay. Yeah, so that was a fun one. It, uh, it had some pretty, I'd say, fundamental flaws with the, the technology. We were trying to synchronize a full physics simulation over the internet, which is um, mm, yeah. pretty much an unsolved <laughs> problem. There's a lot of like hacks people have to make that work, but it's kind yeah. of a fundamental problem with... The nature of space and time that no one's really been able to solve um <laughs> anyway but and I, I've worked on a lot of smaller games uh in that period I, I was very engaged in game jams where you kind of go somewhere for a weekend yeah, and yeah. make a game with a group of people yeah um, I kind of lost track of what your original question was but it doesn't matter there is no questions Brian <laughs> there's <is> just
0: conversation <laughs> as I say <laughs> I yeah. have no questions my my notes so far are your two websites <laughs> oh sure that's as, far, that's as far as we go. When I listen back, I'll potentially take out anything that makes me sound stupid, which, as I normally joke to people, that means you'll end up with a just an entire episode of just Brian talking to himself people
1: <laughs> well, I'd appreciate if you edit out my stupid things as well, but that no no no
0: <laughs> no they 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 what, they are what makes you you
1: um as i, would say. I think I think you asked about a uh, heist games in there maybe I could comment on that a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, there isn't There isn't any... There isn't, is there? I mean, it's funny enough because I've seen a lot of heist games on the indie kind of video game type scene. There's a lot of sneaking around. You have got... I'm trying to think. You have got something like Burgo Brothers, which is your mm-hmm. three-dimensional kind of tower game, but that's tile laying and um, stuff like that. But I don't think I've heard of... You know, a collectible card game ever being surrendered, but I'm willing, obviously, to be corrected by the internet, which will obviously sure. happen.
1: Yeah, no, and but... I, I honestly don't know. There, there might be, and I, I even if, if this was the first game like this, is not even that interesting to me. It's, it's more, um, like yeah, Burgle Brothers is a great example. I actually just played that on Sunday or Saturday. Oh, okay. I, I played yeah. it once before, and um and it's a fantastic game. It's a yet yeah, It's not a card game. It's like you know you have these little meeples on a board. You move them around. You sneak around, and it has yeah. this great mechanic of uh, hack or not hacking, but uh, picking a vault or um, finding the the combination code of a vault, which I I think is just so fantastic. It's probably my favorite part of that game. Um, <laughs> just the way it works mechanically it matches what it what you're doing it's just yeah, yeah. perfectly in sync and uh yeah so that that's a fantastic game but like what what is different from that versus a collectible style card game is you're gonna build out your deck of cards before you play a game of one last job and in yeah. my mind that's kind of the the point in the heist movie where they're putting together their crew yeah. you know we need the grease man we need the acrobat we need there's all these characters they need, so I imagine when you're building your, your deck in One Last Job, you're kind of you're, you're playing through those scenes in those movies of recruiting the various people and, and trying to find the perfect crew to, to pull off this job. When Ocean's Eleven. Of... Yeah, you know, we're very <laughs> inspired by Ocean's Eleven, I'd say. We have an entire <laughs> faction in the game that is
0: basically Ocean's Eleven crew. You've got it on your YouTube video. You've got a little thing popping up. I watched it earlier on today, and it says inspired by, and then you've got the little oceans of Living, Kind of, I think the artwork for the movie. Kind yeah, of, definitely. Believe. That's kind of cool, but, um, I mean, it was it is it was it exciting to kind of look around and go, listen, nobody's kind of really done this, so. How long did it take from you to go from kind of like actually thinking about it to having physical cards kind of sitting in front of you that you could, you know, you could start prototyping and playing around with?
1: I'd say no time at all. I don't really put a lot of thought into. Um... <laughs> that sounds funny. I don't put a lot of thought into stuff, but um, no. So I, 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 <laughs> I think just let it go. Yeah, I just let it go from there, right? I don't put a lot. I, I kind of uh, I. I I had been thinking about this game in particular for um, probably a few months, hmm. and things kind of lined up where uh, I, I kind of was coming off of a project, uh, things yeah. were opening up, I was feeling like uh, I think I might want to try something on my own again, um, rather than being hired to, to do something. And uh, I just this just kept being an obsessive thing in my mind, where I was like, I, I really want to just give it a go of making a card game you know how hard could this be right um and i, I... <laughs> that's famous last words there brian <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's it's not that hard it just takes about no. like a year and a half of full-time design that's all but it's not that hard no. right well why haven't you
0: done two <laughs> games already why are we why you know why aren't we talking about the second yeah. game that you've designed yeah yeah so uh, but yeah the I, I didn't have a specific game
1: system or anything. I, I literally brought a bunch of blank cards that I got off of Amazon.com, a great website. I recommend everyone checking out. And I uh, brought them uh, to to the coffee shop with my friend Adam. And we wrote with pens on the cards and said, what if there's a card? Like, what does a getaway card do? And we yeah. just started messing around with cards on that level. There wasn't a game system, but we're just throwing the cards down on the table and moving them around and seeing what it felt like.
0: And it just came up from there. Did it just kind of naturally start to click together? Did you think, okay, well, these guys, these guys need roles and this guy needs this and we need to overcome what kind of thing are they going to come up against in a heist movie and what kind of special skills are they going to need? And then what kind of equipment and are there going to be some kind of surprises and stuff like that? Is that kind of how it did it? Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we like to joke that we, It's not really a joke. We like to
1: joke that we kind of designed about three or four separate independent games throughout this process. Mm. And each of them had various pros. And there was a a version of the game that we thought was fascinating. And it was just like, it was really fun to play, but we would play a game. It would take like two hours. And at the end of that, we couldn't play the game again because we were so fatigued mentally. It was just, (laughs) it was too chessy. It was too, um, you know, it was the thought was so deep to play that game that we, we needed to adjust it. It was, it was not right for the, a card game that we were trying to build. Um, so yeah, we, we went through many different iterations of the game, and, and it, some of them are just completely different games. I'd, I'd say my biggest, um, the thing I would change from the start, if I had to go back, was not getting so mechanical at the start. Of it. We went mechanical really quick, where we just started trying to figure out systems and uh, mechanics to make those systems work. Uh, I would have held off on that a little bit. I would have tried to stay just on the emotional level a little bit longer, and just figure out what are the emotions we're trying to evoke here with this card game before going too deep on the mechanics.
0: Is that not the netrunner part? Because if you were embroiled in netrunner, then you would be sitting there and going, "Okay, I'll you know I'll ice this, I'll do this, do that, do the next thing." Then yeah. score this agenda. I guess if you're kind of like trapped in that kind of thought, it must have been difficult to kinda of get away and think, well, I know the intricacies of the meta of one game. So if we start off with the intricacies of the meta in my own game, is that kinda of how you ended up did you end up having you said you kinda of ended up having to break away or would you would have broken away from that a lot quicker? Yeah, you know that, that's a really
1: good point. I don't know if I'd even thought of it in those terms, but that's that's maybe yeah, maybe we we kind of latched on to Netrunner too quickly you know we, yeah. we knew we wanted to get the game to feel more like netrunner than it felt like a traditional card game we knew that yeah um but we may have latched on netrunner mechanics too early just in terms of how we structured the defense and how we structured the attack and we tried to subvert it originally we 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 thought of the crew as like having this position of defending the heist sort of like they're trying to pull off this heist and the other player which originally was just like the police was trying to disrupt that and we thought that was a cool subversion of the the basic idea of attack and defense which should have been the other way but I'm not sure if that was really justified or if we were just trying to like subvert the expectations, or just to surprise ourselves. Even yeah, just
0: be different for the sake of being different. Yeah, like, we may after, have been yeah. doing that early. Yeah, like after Reservoir Dogs came out, you you probably got so many other kind of copycat kind of films, not copycat heist films, but just films restructuring how they did their film in order to kind of like jump on the the kind of the bandwagon side of things. Um How does it play? I'm sitting across from you. I have got my, you know, it's asymmetrical. So right. you have got a, you've got a, take it, you've got a place and your place will have the stuff you can yeah. steal. How does it, how does it kind of lay out? What can people expect when, when they're going to jump in and, and maybe have a round of like one last job?
1: Sure. Yeah, the basic structure, there's uh, in the middle of the table, there will be three locations. The game starts with one location in play and it kind of grows out to three. So there's just three kind of shared cards in the middle of the table that represent locations. There's, okay. The game will ship with three different heists. So mm-hmm. one of them, for example, is like this mansion party. This is the the society faction, which is like the secret society. They're hosting this party of all the bigwigs, the politicians, the business interests coming together for mm-hmm. some nebulous, maybe, um, you know, reason. And uh, the crew is there's a vault in the in the mansion they're trying to get to. And then there's a kind of a train heist. And uh, there's also a casino job that the, the mob, uh, the mob faction is kind of in the casino. And so okay. that's kind of the structure of the game is the players are competing over these locations to um, resolve the plot of that, that scene in their favor is kind of the way we structure it.
0: So do they just pick a location to begin with and then they decide they're going to, that's the one they're going to go for? Um, or, or
1: it's, it's randomized. So there's kind of 10 cards that represent these locations. They have yeah. slightly different properties okay. uh, just on like how well defended they are. And there's a few different types of defenses. So there's just some numbers on there that are different for the most part. Um, there's okay. also like some locations are private, some are public, and that uh, has influence in the game over you know how safe it is for the crew to hang out in that location. And uh, yeah, so those are randomized and um, what the, we call them the powers that be. So that's like the mob or the secret society yeah. or this megalomaniac character that we have. Uh, they uh, are the powers that be and they are trying to uh, influence these scenes uh towards their ends so they, they might be transporting you know in the case of the megalomaniac maybe he's transporting some nuclear weapons or the secret society are, are trying to you know gain the influence over politicians whatever and that's what yeah, they're trying yeah. to do they're, they're doing that independent of what the the crew is doing so the crew if they don't do anything the uh the powers will just kind of build their influence out and win the game and the crew is really just this disruptive right. force that, okay. uh, yeah, that's kind of the the structure.
0: That makes it interesting because you're not just going in and saying they've got jewels, steal the jewels. It's almost a case of if you don't do anything at all, then I get to. I'm kind of going to win this because I get to basically fulfil whatever kind of my devious scheme is going to be. So you're not necessarily robbing good folks. You might be necessarily robbing the bad guys in order to stop them from doing stuff.
1: In some cases, yeah, some it, and that again kind of depends on. Uh, we're we're trying to not be explicit in the storytelling of that. So no, yeah, in in some cases the crew is just uh, there's something in the vault they want that's valuable that's worth money. In other cases, maybe you know the government hired this crew to go try and steal these nuclear weapons before they make their you know before they get to their destination. That stuff, a lot of that we're trying to keep more open, and the cards and the play we hope will tell that
0: story without us having to explicitly state this. Okay, okay. Are you going for a very, very serious tone to it? Is it kind of a slightly light mood? I mean, is this a game that you could have? Essentially, the kind of the comedy London Cockney Geezer? You know Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I want to be all over the spectrum. I want to have some
1: elements that are dark and, you know, like, yeah. uh, and not very pleasant. And then I want to have mm. others that are just totally silly. Like, we have an entire faction in the game that is the street gangs. And this yeah. is kind of inspired by the, I think it was a 70s movie called The Warriors. Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good film. Oh, to play. <laughs> yes. so yeah
1: it's 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 a fantastic movie it's about these street gangs in new york city they each have a theme one of them is like we're baseball players or like one of them is we have roller skates yeah and so they all have their like team flavor and yeah. so we have the street gangs and they we have two street gangs that are going to ship and they i shouldn't promise this stuff because some of this is still fluid but we have the flock which is kind of this zealot Group of religious fanatics that are kind of really? like, stealing for God in their mind, and then <laughs> then we have uh, the Cassidy bunch, which are these cowboys, and so they'll go in in into like a bank on a horse and demand that. Oh they're my paid. goodness! Like they don't fully understand that they're in the modern world. They they're kind of cowboys and they approach problems the way that maybe a person in eighteen forties would.
0: <laughs> you you are gonna have a London squad then. You are gonna have the Italian job guys. We could well, you, you know you have to. <laughs> that would probably be our profession. <coughs> we have a we have
1: a faction called the Professionals, which are kind of more inspired by uh Ocean's eleven. And so I, I, mm. I think it would be good to have
0: I think a good old London one, yeah. a good old get the get the UK represented, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Or Mike, Michael Kane. Yeah, we could have thing. a Michael Caine character. You can have a Michael Caine. And this is when you drop in your Michael Caine impression, Brian.
1: I I don't <laughs> think I'm gonna be willing to do that right now. I need some time to prep.
0: <laughs> I need to I need to breathe. <clears throat> I need to get your Arlie might to a bloody doze off. That kind of thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um But uh, yeah, uh Yeah, this is I don't know, this kind of all of a sudden is very, very Interesting. In terms of the collectible stuff, it could be just the different gangs. Okay, so you've got your gangs together. Is there then prep stuff? Do you then decide on the equipment that you're going to take or is it a kind of equipment on site kind of thing?
1: It's a, the, the way the deck is structured, I mean, both, both sides have slightly different cards, but both sides have people. We call them, um, actors are on the power side, and then we have yeah. the operatives. Operatives are on the crew side. They're both just people. Those okay. are your primary kind of, um, ways to interact that you you need operatives uh, you don't necessarily need actors but you certainly need operatives to attempt these operations that you're pulling off as part of this bigger heist so the game there's a lot of little operations that add up to the full heist if you think of a heist movie they're always having to like go scope out some building go steal a key card from a guard those are all smaller operations that so the crew deck has operatives they also have items so there's a, a wide variety of items anywhere from like a lasso for for the the cowboys, there's some uh, you know traditional kind of like lock picking tools and tranquilizer guns and getaway cars and all that kind of stuff you, that operatives can equip, and so you kind of attach those cards onto the operatives, and now you're kind of upgrading that operative with some new ability mm-hmm. or more capacity for skill, which is what they use as sort of a resource to you know get through challenges in the heist.
0: Yeah, um, I've seen on the um, on the video you've got an interesting point where the you're using kind of like meeples or counters, and yeah. they're getting used in order to get past kind of certain things that come up that are drawn on the cards. Because, um, I'm right, when when they've selected their equipment and when they decide to, they've got to decide they're going to try and get past a particular area, that could be like a camera or a locked door, and they've got to use certain skills to do that. But in order to get past that, they've then got to allocate almost like skill points, these little kind of yeah. miracles or counters you were using. See, I did watch the video. I, I believe it now. <laughs> I just... There you go. I'm not just saying it for, like, I watched 30 seconds. But then once they get through, then you've got the... It's almost like they get to pick up from a, a set of face-down cards. You yeah. can't really see what's going to happen and then you could turn over a card and then that could trigger kind of like an event it could be alarms going off or it could be that something happens that affects a piece of equipment so there's kind of yeah so what this what
1: this all kind of represents is the crew has the ability to prepare as much as they want you don't you're not forced to engage uh, Mm. in these operations you can just build up the whole game if you want but again the powers will just score out while you're doing that so you're kind of always on this timer you know like the, the shipment is going to be made the party's going to end and you have a window of time where you need to execute your plan uh so you're it's, it's a race in that regard you're trying to set up and prepare and mitigate for all these things that could happen you have a little yeah. bit of information you're like well we know there's two guards there we don't know exactly what they're equipped with we don't know but we can kind of like mitigate to some extent, we could be like, okay, we're going to go in. We're going to we have this character here. This operative yeah, is yeah. really good at sneaking past guards, so yeah. we're going to send that operative in, and we're going to give that operative some some lock picking tools. Which you know they won't have. They won't be able to deal with a big lock, but they can deal with like a small thing they might come across. And okay, so you you can. Uh, it's very fluid in how you. There's a lot of you know you can be very risky if you want, um, or you can try and build up and be very certain. And it's just a. And that might change game to game uh you might need to respond more quickly in some games, and you might mm. need to slow down and build up something bigger in another game. It just totally depends
0: so is the are the actors or the bad guys kind of winning? Is that just based on a number of rounds The more rounds that you leave it, then the more likely they are to fulfill their their particular kind of um plan it's
1: it's based on uh so there's these we call them resolutions. So they're, that, that You mentioned there's a deck of cards at each scene. There's about five yeah. of them at a scene, and the crew is trying to find the resolution to that scene. Mm. Okay. So it, it kind of represents that so they're going to go into that scene, and they're they're looking for that key card. Or they're looking to you know put the USB stick into the server. And uh, as they're doing that, they might run into some unforeseen problems. They, there might be a security camera that they have to kind of wait to, to sneak by or whatever. And in other cases, they'll just kind of sail right in and things will work out and so that's that kind of probability and there's always a little bit of luck involved in any heist um, you know you just read about real life heists and there's most of them go horribly wrong it's not even close and then the ones that succeed it's usually because they got extremely lucky in one way or another yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, at least at any sort of big beyond just a the kind of takeover robbery or whatever, any sort of big orchestrated heist, there's always some bit of luck. And then, like when they get caught, it's because they ate a bologna sandwich and threw away half of it, and then that left DNA evidence, you know, which was a real thing that happened. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I lost my train of thought because I got excited about thinking about heists. No, no,
0: no, it's no, fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, as I say, there is no scripts. We're just making yeah. it up as we go along. O- off you know script, I mean? right? Ah, well, Always, yeah, off script, yeah, as yeah. you said. I mean, otherwise you would have uh, called your company, you know, measured and well-planned. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not really my style. No, no, no. Um, <clears throat> In terms of the base set, now, are you going to be shipping this out with a lot of the different kind of groups available? Or are you a base game with a couple of kind of actors and operatives in it? I mean, what's the plan for kind of release?
1: Sure. The the, the plan right now, and I say that because, you know, things are fluid and who knows, but yep. what, I, what I really want to do and what it's looking like we're going to be doing is we'll have just this core box that people can buy. And the game, I, I want to stress the game, we would like to expand it over time and it would be in like... A fixed model not randomized yeah we would, we would like to do that but that's unknown there's a lot of factors somewhat beyond our control that will influence that so the core box will be complete like we're, we're balancing it in itself we have a lot of cards we'd like to play with that are possible expansion cards we we don't test with those right now we're, we're trying to make sure the core box is a dynamic uh fun game in and of itself and is well balanced. So it it will feature, um, three factions per side. So there's a total of essentially six decks in, in the box. And there's deck building rules within that that lets you change, change up your decks. But there's three factions per side. They each kind of, um, have strengths and weaknesses and core strategies that they employ to win the game. Some are more aggressive. Some are, um, you know, more taxing rather than trying to stop you. There's all different ways to play the game. But that's that's what we're looking to ship, uh, you know, on Kickstarter.
0: All right, okay. So, you know, that was my next question, is how are you getting these bad boys out to the good people or these good boys out to the bad people? <laughs> you know, yeah, like- so unless
1: yeah. there's somebody listening who is like really gung-ho to publish a game like this which <laughs> i i don't know this is sort of an unusual game there's not a lot of publishers that are looking to published card games as far as i've i've talked to and uh certainly not you know a game that isn't fantasy or sci-fi which seems to be the most popular so we're kind of doing this more contemporary game yeah. um, unless unless a publisher magically presents himself uh we, we are looking at kickstarter right now to to get this produced
0: and where are you in terms of the kickstarter i mean how far away is the kind of the kickstarter at the moment
1: that's a good question
0: Um, you know, so right
1: now my focus is on producing artwork for the campaign. So I I have some pieces that I know, I don't know exactly where they're going to fit into the campaign, but I know we need them to demonstrate one of the factions or demonstrate some, you know, mechanic of the game or core idea or feeling of the game. Um, so I'm working to produce those pieces of art right now. And I'm also working with a friend of mine on the campaign, which is going a little bit slow, but I'm, I'm looking to ramp up the speed on that very soon.
0: Yeah, but the thing with Kickstarter is that if you're going to do it, you really got to do it right. I think of one thing I've learned by speaking to people over the last 18 months. Has it really been 18 months we've been doing this now? Is that um, it's all about People are going, oh, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's kind of like, I think Kickstarter's becoming a case that you can see somebody that maybe hasn't taken all of their time on their campaign. Mm. And it's a difficult thing to do, especially if you, um, if you're kind of doing it for the first time and resources aren't necessarily kind of abundant forever, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, have you got, have you got a rough idea even of when it might be going out there. Yeah, uh, I definitely
1: want to put it up this year. Um, yeah, okay. It, at this point, it's certainly going to be after Gen Con because I'm not going to put it up during Gen Con. No, <laughs> um, no, that no. doesn't seem wise. I mean, no. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big believer that this. You know, you have to put up your Kickstarter on a specific day or a specific no. time. But I do know releasing during Gen Con would be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so beyond that it it's sort of as soon as possible and the as soon as possible part is where it's it's possible in that it's it's something that I am really excited about personally. Like I want to look at the page and just sort of do a mind wipe on myself and try and look at it and see does this look really compelling to me. So, um, I've decided to slow down on it a little bit. Like, I was really rushing towards it to get it up before Gen Con, which would have had to have been like at the start of this month, basically. I was rushing for that, and I was kind of realizing I'm not going to make it in time, and I'm putting a lot of time into this. So, I decided to slow down um, and put more time into it, Um, you know, less intense. Like, I'm not going to be spending 60, 70 hours a week on it. Uh, but I'm going to just have a longer period of time that I put into it to try and make sure the quality is where I want it to be.
0: Yeah, there's no point in kicking your own ass over something like this. I mean, at the end of the day, most people will do something along the lines of Kickstarter probably a total of no times at all during their life. So, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, it might as well, when you're kind of, I guess, when you're ready to give you kind of your your kinda of your full your full kind of commitment. Have you um thought about pricing and stuff like that then? Or is that still something you're working out?
1: Yeah, so I am not a very good um at I'm not very good at business stuff and money stuff. I'm pretty good at programming and I'm okay at design. Right. Um, and I'm I'm really good at Netrunner. But beyond that,
0: like <laughs> I'm <laughs>
1: I, I, I'm, you know, I'm joking, but I am actually pretty good at netrunner. I, I, I've um,
0: no doubt, you're very, very good at netrunner. Do you know what I mean? Because I, um, I, you know, it'll be good. We could play sometime over Skype. And yeah, you could sure. Teach me.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, there's, there's a good online platform for it too. but uh, I yeah. have gone as far as you know. I have a, a spreadsheet I've made, and I've put estimates in there. As yeah, I filled in some of those estimates. Like I've got manufacturer. Um, Estimates that I've put in and uh, I, I'm trying to factor in all the, the details like taxes and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, so I am really worried about that. I've heard enough horror stories of, you know, not considering the box size on a UPS shipment or whatever that I'm, I'm really paranoid about that stuff. And I'm trying very hard to be diligent and be good at business on that level and just make sure that our estimates are accurate. And yeah. to, to answer your original question, I'm, I'm trying to find... I want the price point to be around 30 US dollars is what I'm looking at because I think a card game of this level is a, usually goes for about that amount. And yeah. I want to put enough into the box to justify that amount. Uh, I, I hope the game itself is worth that, but I want to make sure there's enough cards in there and enough variety uh, that people see that as being valuable, worth that money.
0: It's kind of... Um... Interesting that you say you don't, you don't know what to do. I mean, we, I am part of a UK Kickstarter group, which is, which is the greatest irony because I have no intention of ever, um, creating a Kickstarter, um, except maybe for, there was two we've joked about. One of them was called, um, Greeks in Space, which, Um, is about, um, people trying, who are part of the Greek space authority trying to get enough money together to be able to land the rocket back in Greece. Oh, which so was this a, is
1: a, <laughs> this is a modern saying. I thought
0: you were gonna go for like
1: Greeks, uh, you know, well, 2000 after, years ago and
0: Yeah, space. well, after what Lords of Helios just pulled out the bag. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Did you see that Kickstarter? I did not, know. Oh, it was like, it was imagine the kind of the gods of ancient times, but kind of being like robot representations, and it did about something silly, like about $2 million or something on Kickstarter. I, it was I can't even
1: imagine how that works, but I'm fascinated. I'll have to yeah, go look that one up. Yeah, you'll
0: have to go and look at that. That was quite interesting. But that was, um, what was it? Who was I speaking? I think it was, um, it was Ed. Um, who was speaking with about Everdark recently, and we came up with that idea. But there's another idea that we came up with, me and Ian Schofield, which was dungeon patisserie. Which was basically, um, it was something to do with collecting ingredients in a dungeon in order to make cakes. Oh, that's and, a great idea. Yeah, I know, I know. And, so, you know, the word
1: are they are you looking for flour or are you looking for dungeon related things I think you're looking for
0: dungeon related kind of items and you get different levels of ingredients and you can either go for normal cakes or you can go for super duper pastries kind of thing there's uh, infinite
1: possibilities here. I think you're on the. I screen.
0: I know, and I've just spilt my guts to everybody that's listening. So that's yeah, gonna, someone's I mean, definitely going to. Someone that's going to be out on Kickstarter by the end of the month. You can just guarantee. But um, no, I mean, you know, as I say, <laughs> no intention of you know. The irony is, I have no intention of making a Kickstarter, but we kind of hang around the UK Kickstarter group because. There's a lot of good people there, and we have got a lot of guests from there as well um, who have come on and spoken about their games, and there is a lot of help out there as well. So I don't know if there's probably a California Kickstarter there, There's
1: There's a, a general Facebook group, uh, I forget what it's mm. called, just on kickstarter help that i'm a part yeah. of um i'm not too good at facebook but i, I try and keep my eye on that and yeah i have a really good local community here I'm, I'm in the the bay area near san francisco and we have a really right, good okay. uh d- just like board game designer community and we're we're always trying to support each other and there's plenty of people that will at least be able to give me feedback on the campaign so i i feel very well supported in that regard
0: how many other people have played how many other people have played the game then uh
1: well we I don't know we've done hundreds of play tests but uh most of those are, are you know between myself and Adam uh but yeah that's a good question I mean dozens beyond that I I don't really have a good idea of how many individuals have played
0: Okay okay and what's I mean is the plan to do I mean you must have a million different things to be thinking about especially if you're thinking about kind of launching kind of launching the the kickstarter do you have other games after this is this your sole focus just now or has this kind of lit a fire underneath you to think actually we could maybe do this as a card game or we could maybe do this as a mini game or has it think well actually maybe this is a video game might kind of work is that kind of got the creative kind of thoughts flowing in your head yeah you know originally um I
1: was thinking this would be a digital card game. So All that right, was okay. my original idea with this. And some of our design work, especially early on, was with some of those constraints. Yeah. Um, like no interrupts and things like that that you see in Hearthstone. Um, and part of that also is just being a game programmer. And um, Adam is, like, he's done a lot of back-end programming, server-side programming. and right, So we, okay. we, we even worked on We had, like, a somewhat functioning prototype of it uh, early on. And at some point, we just decided, uh, instead of investing like, you know, a lot more time into a digital card game, which is pretty intensive to make, we would, uh, do a Kickstarter and use that to sort of gauge the market. And from there, it's turned much more into its own thing. Like, I would still like to do a digital card game version of this eventually, but that's very much, that's well down the line. Like, I think if this is super successful, as I hope it is, and then we do some expansions for it, um, that's, at that point, I would consider those ideas again. But to go back to your original, I, I, you know, question, I, I, I think if I didn't constrain myself, I would be working on a new game every day. It's just kind of, I'm, I get really excited about some. I don't know. I'll just see something on the streets though, you know, that will inspire me in some way. Like oh, the, the, oh, that cat just made a really cool jump off that roof onto that tree. And like yeah. now I'll want to make a game about cats jumping on trees or something. <laughs> um, that, that's just like my brain. I, I think it's, it's very no. common where designers want to always, you always want to just be jumping into the next no. thing because that it, it's difficult to actually finish a game is like, very challenging any sort of a game Um, even if that just means finishing it and putting it up on the internet as a print and play getting to that point is way more difficult than starting a new project so I'm always suppressing myself and stopping myself from working on some new project
0: in the interest of actually finishing this game no I mean mean, when we had um, Andrew Burkett on from Atheris Games And he was talking about, you know, he did one game which was called a sack conquest, which is about houses, and then his latest next game after that was mutant crops, and then he was talking about sock ghosts and you know T Rexes (laughs) and yeah sock ghosts is ghosts that steal socks, and then you know sure and falling a, a game based around falling asleep at work. So you know it's like a case of is there any other games that have been falling asleep at work, and it's like. No, and it's like, kind of, you know, make it. Um, Bess, who's a friend of the show, she's doing a game called Blether, and Blether is a Scottish term which basically is what I do, which is talk too much and don't breathe <laughs> enough kind of thing. But the game is basically, here's a selection of words and phrases, and you're meant to just construct an entire sentence as long as you possibly can without taking a break and thus scoring points for how long you go on for, I believe it's... Something along those lines. So any idea is a kind of a, you know, a kind of a good idea. I mean, Ian Schofield that we had on that I mentioned earlier, his game is about orcs going into the dungeon and smashing each other up for orc teeth in order to win the kind of the game. You know, there's kind of different games all the time. I think it's strange because we are in a golden age. where We're reaching the such. You see, with video games, where you go on, like, say, the PlayStation Store or Steam. And there's thousands of games out there, mm-hmm. and I think we're approaching that critical mass with board games where just another dungeon crawler isn't maybe going to cut it anymore. That even, you know, cool uh, Simon Cool Mini or Not's so latest project, Rising Sun, had the miniature side of it, but it also had to have a diplomacy side of it to make it stand out from, you know, from the crowd kind of thing. So that's kind of always kind of interesting. Sure.
1: and then, in, you know, in a somewhat, I'd say, unique setting as well, like, it's like feudal Jap- Japan, I think. Yeah. Um, did yeah. have fantasy, I, I didn't I didn't actually pledge that one myself, but um, yeah, it, it, it just, lo- just looking at it, it looked very different and
0: fresh. Yes, um, yes. You know. Which is always good. And then we've got things like the Grim Forest coming out, which looks absolutely amazing. As I say, Lords of Helios, that just, I kind of almost went for it, and then I went, come on, I've my children need shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Board games good... are good, but shoes are very good. Shoes shoes, are, shoes, and lunches are quite good, and especially if it's raining this much in Scotland, then obviously the kids need a jacket kind of as well. Um,
1: <laughs> but... so it, it's something I, I remember just thinking about your original question of, you know, are there other projects, whatever. Yeah. I, I heard this thing, and it really resonated with me, that, um, you know, people if you have some project you're excited about, and it doesn't have to be a game. It could be whatever. Maybe someone's hmm. in a poetry. Like, I'm going to write a book about poetry, and I'm really pumped about this. I read that if if you tell people about that, about your aspiration for a project, it has, like, this psychological offloading uh, quality where you feel like you've accomplished uh, whatever that project is just by telling people you want to do it. And so you shouldn't tell people what projects you aspire to work on. So yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I've heard there's been studies or whatever, but it, it made sense to me. And so I do have other projects that I kind of work on on the side. And, you know, I have all these aspirations, but I don't ever really talk about them for that reason, which is maybe silly. But um, and I also just try to limit the amount of time I work on those because I could be putting that time into one last job.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, the last thing that I ever did that was I went around the office and said, you just wait. I will do a board game podcast. And I <laughs> st- stormed off. And you did it. Though. Su- I, yeah, I know. But you know, that was after, you know, them. It was pretty much people saying, so, um, so is it, do you have a wand when you dress up as a wizard when you're playing D&D? And it's like, we, we don't do wizards, we never play as wizards, and that's where the gate the kind of the name for the show the show kinda of came from. Um One Last Job sounds fascinating. It's kind of the Netrunner connection has pricked my ears up. The fact that I've not really heard many kinda of heist games kinda of going about, if any, has kinda of pricked up my ears as well. So if like me there's people out there that are interested in keeping an eye on what you guys are going to be doing. How whereabouts can they find you on the internet, uh, webs basically? Sure.
1: Yeah. I'd say that the, the best way is if you're on Twitter, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. You can follow my personal account. Mm-hmm. At, uh, Brian G. Cronin. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a Twitter account for the game, uh, which I believe is just at One Last But <laughs> I, don't remember I think it is. Head. I'll tell you what, let's yeah. check
0: it live. Yeah, live sure. and, and direct. And this is
1: all, you could go to our website, uh, Yeah, and all this stuff is linked from there, of course. But that's the best way. We also have a mailing list you could find on that website that I have not even sent out yet. I'm kind of waiting until we have something more concrete about the kickstarter but uh that's another good way to just stay in touch
0: so the yeah the um the twitter is one last job game with the little at circley sign in front for people that aren't aware of yeah that's how twitter works
1: (laughs) i I really am a big fan of twitter i'm on there daily and uh, if anyone wants to just message me on there and have a chat i'm i'm definitely up for it. I could send you my Netrunner decks if you want to see those. Hey. Um, <laughs> I, I have some pretty dumb ones that I've been brewing, so there's a lot of uh, fun there.
0: Now, there's an opening line if I ever heard one. <laughs> Would you like to see my Netrunner decks? Uh, you know, but only to <laughs> certain people. I don't, I don't say that to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, this has been a lot of fun, Brian. Yeah, um, well, thanks. Um, Of course, if people want to keep an eye on what we are doing, and, you know, we are... This is show number 76. I don't know how we got here, but somehow we did. Um, We would have been normally retiring if we were actually 76 years old. Um, But if you do want to keep a track on what we're up to, go to Google and search for We Are Not Wizards. Um, You will find us on... Instagram, you will find us on Facebook, you will find us on Twitter, you will find us on Pinterest now of all places, because apparently pictures are good. Um, you will find us on YouTube if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you will find us on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Acast, Podknife, all these good places. If you have, um, listened tonight and you've liked what you heard, please, um, Jump over to Apple Podcasts, because that is what they are called, and leave us a review. Now remember, as we say, don't give us a 10, because that um, will make us kind of really, really big-headed. But don't give us a 0 or a 1, because that will make us cry. Kind of give us a 5, which is kind of average, which is, and we are kind of decidedly average. Um... But one person who has not been average at all is Mr. Brian Cronin. Listen, again, the I, you've, yeah, as I say, you've, um, this has been very educational for me. I am, must say, I'm very, very interested to see what happens, um, with not only One Last Job, but also to see what happens with off script games as well. Um, I can only thank you again for coming on and chatting to us and telling us about the game, and keep an eye out. For what? <clears throat> as I say, as soon as we hear, we'll get some news out there. When we hear some more about the release dates and stuff like that, Brian.
1: I, I appreciate it. And I, I, well, you know, maybe not average. Maybe a 6 out of 10. 7 out of 10, if you're seven's to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, <laughs> 7 would be great.
0: Seven's, <laughs> yeah, seven's good. 7 would be fine. If they can thanks, do that thanks, for, uh,
1: thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, it's been a pleasure, Brian. As I say, it's been it's good good fun. There are only... A couple more things to do. Now the first thing as always is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Brian? I'm certainly not. I am definitely thinking about robbing a bank now. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Good I'm idea! Just- I'm just being honest. I've got, I've got my deck of cards here. I think I could just walk in here and say, look, I've got a card that's got a safe cracker, a shotgun, yeah, in, in, in my and reading, a tranquilizer gun. I
1: probably shouldn't be saying this, but in my reading, like the chances of someone succeeding in their first bank heist is very high. Like The amount of people that get away, <laughs> just your first time going into a bank with a gun and saying, give me money, your chances uh, of getting away yeah. are pretty high. But like if you keep doing it, you will get caught. But you know That's just a fact. Take, You've been do without what you want.
0: So it is a good... <laughs> It's a goodbye from Brian, the crime enabler, Cronin. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Brian. You're about to go down for a long stretch. Good Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a... <laughs> I can't believe you Just, guys, don't go in and rob banks. It's true, though. Just statistically, just, it's true. Statistics. You know, 87% of statistics are made up on the spot.
1: Oh, that's really interesting.
0: That's really true. Um, and it's a goodbye from me. Um, because it looks like I'm obviously probably probably get done as an accessory. Yeah, definitely now. an accomplice. Definitely an accomplice. Remember, st- uh, stay away from safes. <laughs> Roll sixes. Um, listen, the smart one, the clever one, the funny one, the guy that's just come out of jail, um. The girl that's capable of doing everything—you want these type of people in your crew, and and then that'll suit you out. But remember and take along a Brian because without your Brian, you won't have anything else in your um, in your one last job. But until the next time, it's a goodbye. So say goodbye, Brian. Goodbye, Brian. And <laughs> it's a good and it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye.